You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McCuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and uh, this next interview was recorded in my hotel room in Wellington, New Zealand during the New Zealand International Comedy Festival. Uh, This is an excellent comedian with a flair for language and also the sort of act who bestrides both the well-written longer show format uh, and properly smashes up comedy clubs. Uh, He's a very funny man and I think you're going to... I was going to say dig him. <laughs> Why was I going to say that? Because he dresses like he has just walked out of Yellow Submarine. This is the brilliant Tom Rigglesworth. Is that yours? Uh, yes, it is. It's a little thing that plugs into uh, 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 your computer to act as a little speaker. For you. Oh, Bluetooth speaker. Very, yeah. very nice. Let me own one then for one. Yeah, it's nice, but don't buy that one because that one... Uh, requires a Bluetooth transmitter that plugs into your laptop, oh, shit, even though your laptop's got Bluetooth. Oh, God, no, 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 no. No, I mean, you can't beat a wire in these... Uh... Yeah, I mean, Bluetooth's all well and good, but just just wire it in. Anyway, sorry. Um... <laughs> That's all right. Let's talk about... Uh, well, we're here in Wellington. How's your run been in Wellington? You were saying last night you're having uh, difficulties with the room. Uh, yeah, well, I've got a room that, that is designed... To make it hard. Like if it was, if it was a crazy golf course hole which we've been on today, yeah. uh, it would have a windmill, massive U bend, <laughs> one of those sort of things that chomp the ball up. And what? Well, let's be specific. What elements of it make it hard? Why is it hard? Well, there is no seat in the venue that faces the stage. Yeah. So straight away you compromise. So it's all painters' tables, isn't it, with people? Like, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, like trestles that you do wallpapering on, mm-hmm. um, and they're really long and thin, and they're, they're perpendicular to the stage. So they, you know, so everyone's side on. Everyone is side on. In fact, half the audience has, if they were sat at the table, would have their back to you. Mm. Only the table directly ahead of you is truly side on. Everybody else is, you know, half of them are three quarters looking at you and a quarter away and then the mirror image the other it's just a mess so um, and the stage is really high really high like above my feet are above the front row mm. uh, which is I don't like that sort of thing um, the floor's wooden I mean that's not a thing weird but if anyone moves about it just gets clackety 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 clack yeah. you can't see anything which a lot of people like but I, I, I kind of like to see a little bit I, I've 
If you yes. can't see anything, you can't see anything at all, can you? Yeah. No. Nothing at all. How did you find? Thing. How did you find it different? Given that your show at the moment, which you're, the show you're doing here, is utterly at odds with the universe, which is has theatrical elements to it and recorded voice elements, and is yeah. a sort of heartfelt story as well as containing lots of stand-up. We'll talk a bit a m- bit more about that in a minute. But how do you feel? Perform- like we both also did the Late Show gig last night in the same, same room so, when yeah. it was packed with people, and we were doing you know club sets. How did you feel that differed? Did you did you feel it still had the same problems, or are they specific to the fact that you're trying to do something a bit different in your show? I think it, yeah, a late a late show is fine in there when it's rammed and drunk and moving about is uh, tolerated really, and 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 the, the the dynamics different really because you're just a, sh- a sort of shouty comedian doing ten minutes, um, so it's easy to be great and. It's easy to ride roughshod over the problems, but when mm. you've got to talk for an hour at seven o'clock, mm. and if it's only half full, it's got a very strange shape to it. So it needs to be like some places you can. They might hold one hundred and fifty, but if you have forty or fifty in there, it's absolutely fine. But this isn't one of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is just another reason. This is another windmill on the crazy golf hole. It's another insurmountable obstacle. If the critical mass yes. isn't reached, it it shows. And it did. Um, so I had two shockers. Uh, one good one, two shockers, one good one. Now, the one I saw was one of the, in your terms, shockers. Yeah, that was the lowest of the lowest, Jim. Why? What, in, what, <laughs> in what regard? Um, I... The, well, they, they, for all of the reasons I've said, and critical mass wasn't reached, so... And I'd not quite struck the balance of trying to politely say to the audience, please don't get up and go mm. to the toilet... I'm not being sensitive. I'm not. I don't care if they miss a bit. How 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 could I care if they miss a bit? Like I don't care if the audience misses a bit. If one person misses one joke, I don't. That's nothing to worry about. But I always make a mistake. If, if people move about and you get rattled, off, I get rattled. I will then slip a word up and think, oh, I've messed up. And then I'll mess up again because I was thinking about that. And before I know it, I've the whole gig is is nosediving, and it's all stuck down to just the fact that someone put me off. <laughs> it's interesting because I saw those little. I, I and I know we're talking. Well, as I said, we're, it's it's a very specifically written show. You described the show as ten thousand words that detonates over sixty minutes. Yeah, it was very. That's oh wow! Line, that's the actual that's the line, 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 line. Line. PPI. 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 Excuse me. Hello. Amazing chat there with Sophie, the uh, uh, festival representative, uh, festival coordinator here in Wellington, during which she used the phrase "sweet as" three times. Oh yeah, New Zealand fear. Yeah. Um, sorry, uh, it's ten thousand words. It detonates over sixty minutes, and yeah. you. It does. It's a scripted piece. Yeah. So what I what I observed was when you were thrown, you seemed to me to throw yourself more than you were thrown yeah. by the event. Yeah. And so when you said, oh, it takes a nosedive, from the perspective of an audience member, I was thinking, this isn't a nosedive, this is fine. Something's distracted you and there we are. Yeah, I know it's much worse in my head, but I can't, I, I, I want to do it like, I sometimes come off going, that was really good, I made three minor errors. Yeah. Like driving, like pass a driving test, there was three minor faults, that, that was like two scuffs of words and a pause that was longer than I should have done. And I thought, oh, that's fine. But a major error is obviously forgetting a bit and having to 
or, or, or like what, what I've done a few times, which I'd probably describe as a major error, is if you accidentally, I don't like, I don't like punchlines with a word that you've said in the setup. I never hear like hearing that. I always think it sounds really clumsy, unless it's a sort of repetition type situation where the, through repetition it's funny. Obviously, that's different. But if you're talking about like uh, a friend or something like that, you can't then say friend in the punchline. I don't think. So I'll always just use synonyms in the setup, and then there'll be a point when I'm in the setup and I've realised that I've used the word from the punchline. <laughs> So I'm now having to go, right, I need, I need a synonym for, for... So you're trying to look through the Rolodex to yeah, find a yeah, synonym right. to and replace. I'm going to have to say uh, chum, or I could say chum's a bit weird. I'll say pal. I'll say mate. And then and then you approach it, it all comes too quickly, and you end up saying cham. Yeah. You end up saying a mixture of, of the words that you were, that you'd auditioned. <laughs> and that's a major error, because now you're just making up words. So that, that won't do. So that, and that sort of thing can put me... That, if people move about too much... I get, I get rattled. That's the classic example of what happens. Does that happen in your club sets? Not really, no. Because it's a different... I feel different. I feel more aggressive and more... Um, more... It's, it's more of an instant explosion, really. Whereas I think the the... Longer shows. I mean, I, I do try and explode in the right bits, but it's more of a sort of a long, long burn. Mm. Kind of, it's like charcoal rather than mm. TNT. And you, for over eight minutes, you can just go. Like I was touring this show in the UK, right? And in the UK, it was eighty-five minutes long or something like that, with an interval, so forty and forty, and a bit of fluff either end. Um, and then I, I went to Sydney, and I was just doing five minutes gala spots, and it was like, it was, it was like asking. Um, kind of, it was. It'd be like asking a professional footballer of you know fairly good standard to just kick a ball in an empty penalty, not even take a penalty with a the goalkeeper there, just kick the ball into penalty. Of course they're going to do it. So five minutes, it was so easy. It was such a breeze, and you could just say you just go. On. <laughs> I thought that's that's a curveball. I thought you were going to say I found it really hard no. because I was doing eighty five. No, no, okay. no, no, no. You just go on and explode. You just go on and go right. <laughs> yeah, five minutes, and then it's time to go. I mean, yeah. all you've kind of said is hello and a few. You you specialise, it seems to me, in your tour shows at the moment, your Edinburgh shows and your touring shows, as over the last few years you've kind of morphed into someone who tells a story which contains stand-up elements. But when you started out, obviously as many of us do, you were doing kind of pure stand-up sort of observations, you know, yeah. stories but smaller stories. So you were, it's funny, I was just looking back over something just to jog my memory. I remember in one of your reviews it pointed out you used to do songs as well. I remember you having a, a yeah, song in yeah. common with Izzy Sutty, did you? The Ikea song? Yeah, we wrote it together. You wrote, you wrote it together and then you both yeah. used it on the circuit, which I yeah. always thought was really charming. And we did it, we, we used to do it as a duet, where possible. Oh, really? It was written as a duet, yeah. Oh, I never yeah, saw yeah. it as a duet, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, so let's talk about the origins of your stand-up. How did you get into pursuing stand-up? What, like, uh, well... Um, and I appreciate you may have told this story several times before, so we don't need to no, I mean, linger over it. Well, or... I have, but um, uh, that's no problem. Like, I kind of got annoyed with people telling me to, to, to try it. Um, that's not strictly true. Like, a lot, of, a lot of people kept saying, you should do that, you should do that. You should try stand-up. Is this what yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, then, and, and I used to go and watch it a lot in... Um, um, Manchester that's where I used to go and watch um, and 
the store or the excess? No, was... no. This I don't know if the store was there even. It might have been the Frog and Bucket was the oh, yeah. sort of they used to have student nights and things like that. So we used to go there and, and who was like Peter Kay was just mass just starting to be big in Manchester. This was ninety eight, I think. Yeah, it was ninety eight when I started watching before that. But anyway, um, and people used to just say you got to try, you got to try, and I never had the bottle, you know, and I've never been, I was never told by my parents that that sort of thing is possible. Like that, I was never given any sort of theatrical encouragement. Sure. So I didn't bother. I just got a proper job, um, and then, and then what happened was I met a uh, a man called Sean James, who people will know of, and we met just at the Banana Cabaret in Ballam, where we used to. I used to live near there, and we used to just go and watch. And he was a, he's a bit of a sort of Pied Piper of entertainment. He has a phenomenal mailing list. Okay. And he's always sorting stuff out. So if you just like, it's really weird. You get an email from him, you go, oh, yeah, I really like that band. I'll go and watch. And you turn up, and, like, I saw it a couple of times where people would know someone and they didn't know they were going as well. Mm-hmm. Such is Sean, mm-hmm. Sean's wide-casting <laughs> net of uh, mailing lists that, that, that sort of mutual friends would, would arrive <laughs> unbeknown to each other, going, oh, God. Um, and so uh, he th- did a comedy course and and then he said to me, you should just... And I, it, it just got to the point where, where I've, got, I've got to try it just to... You know, regret is a horrible thing, isn't it? Regret regret is one of the worst feelings. What were you planning to be before you... Were you planning to be anything? Did you have life... Did no, you have aspirations? Really, no, no. no, I used to just... Uh, you know, I used to... No, I was really naive and, and, and I had thought I'd be young forever and everything. And just thought like that, you know, marijuana is brilliant. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that sort of nulls any long-term plan. Sure. So your first gig, do you remember what your material was when you finally succumbed to I, depression? I, I did it. I I, um, I recited a hilarious take on. Um, I used to propose. You know when uh, you know when you get a, an, uh, a big. A lorry that moves a heavy goods vehicle, mm-hmm. HGV, right? And the one where the back can come off. Mm-hmm. And you're left with that front bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to uh, suggest how it looks like Scrappy Doo, like the little little version without the big one. <laughs> and then um, I used to make the um, the, 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 the uh, thigh slapping observation that the massive cables that come out of the back can only be connected to a huge phone. You know, the massive, you get the massive spongy like, coil cables. Yes, at the, the back of a truck. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 They join, uh, I presume it's for the lights or something. Yeah. Um, but they look like phone. Okay, I like the curly phone cable, yeah. Yeah, I used to do... Um, <laughs> this, I, feel like, I feel like this is sort of, this could become a new segment on the show, is painfully talking <laughs> through your first routine. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a favourite. Um, I used to do something about, which I've seen and heard other people do since, um, or, or, you know, which means it's good. Uh, and it was about how when I phone home, my dad doesn't matter how long it's been. My dad just hands the phone to my mum every time. Mm-hmm. I does, and, and I think my sort of punchline was when Terry Waite finally got out. If he phoned home and and, and, and said, "Dad, it's me, Terry," and he, "Oh no, Terry, I'll just get your mum." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> incarcerated for years. Um, and, and were these were these jokes that you had written before going on, or were they things you'd said conversationally with your mates and thought, "Oh, um, that might work"? 
probably said conversation day actually yeah yeah and then and then I tried to write down yeah and how did it go it went it went quite well actually I think I, I remember the fourth gig I did was to silence I mean I think that's really, par for the course I think people yeah, tend to have a good a couple of first ones and then a shocker a fairly reasonable introduction I mean I've been booed off several times have you really yeah 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 have you for, for why specifically I've been, uh, why um, I've never talked to anyone about that phenomenon before. Being I've never. Off. I've been bottled on once at a street festival, but uh, oh, I've yeah, never been booed weird, off. I've been booed off uh, up the creek um, when I wasn't very good, and I was in the middle. And the problem was they had a gig in Croydon and a gig in Greenwich, and so you got two good acts that went on first at one and then mm-hmm. last in the other, and then the middle act just stayed in one venue mm. and wasn't as good. And it was in Croydon, and at Croydon up the creek was a bit like it was no art centre um, it makes this gig I'm doing here in Wellington look like a dream <laughs> and I um, I had to go on after Jeff Innocent who, who who was so good and so cockney and so what they wanted Yes, that anything that wasn't that which I was the absolute opposite northern big hair weird everything that he wasn't uh, they just they, they 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 well they started booing stupid you know, uh, and I got, I've been booed off twice in one night which which is probably that's some sort of record yeah that, yeah that might be a record I've spoke to a few people and they reckon it might have happened at Jonglers in um, Battersea when they had two shows there mm-hmm. it was possible no one remembers it but but um, there's a there's a horrible gig in in uh, in, in Covent Garden that will remain um, sway <laughs> and there's an upstairs and downstairs of this 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 place. And I got booed off. The this one of them's notably easier than the other. I've heard that. Yes. The downstairs is is harder. I think I got booed off downstairs. And uh, Mike Gunn loves telling people this story because <laughs> I got booed off. He he loved it, and he went. Right, I was saying to Mike, I just don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> he said, Well, at least that was a harder one. We've got to you know, the easier ones next, right? So we went off, had some coffee, came back went upstairs got booed off again and I swear blind I tried my hardest I was not trying to get booed off I was trying to be really funny and they hated me so much when I hear that someone's been booed when I hear that you have been booed off part of me sort of almost respects it out of kind of oh well you see that's Wrigglesworth you see he's uncompromising he does his thing and if they don't like it they don't like it part of me kind of is excited by that were you? Do you think that was the that was the problem that they were that you were uncompromising? Did you did you well, have other gears that you didn't use? Did you not have other gears? I had other gears that I used, but it made it worse. Like like once it started to go, I mean I have done it. I have just died in peace before as well. And I say I feel like we're starting this uh, interview in a very negative kind of way, just for no, the benefit no, of the listener. If they're not aware of you, you are a, a well-respected <laughs> headliner managed by the comedy store. You know, yeah. these, these are definitely so, the exceptions <laughs> rather than the rule. I'm always thinking there might be someone in you know Canada yeah. listening to this or you know somewhere well, you've not rubbish. been. Going, why are you talking to this guy? Yeah, he's got a matter of time before he quits. Um, I kind of provoked the audience because it came to a point where they just weren't laughing at anything. And so I said to the audience, look, we cannot keep up this pace. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to drop a cog. I'm going to tell you a longer story. It's not as funny, but it's got some interesting pathos in it. So let's see how we get on. And they just started booing. And, and then I said, well, I'm not going to get off unless you all stand up and shout, get off, get off. And everyone stood up apart from two people. <laughs> so I ploughed on. So then you had to stay. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I, um, I kind of, I can see, I managed to, 
do an encore. Incredible. <laughs> Come on. The compound went back on. And I said, bring me back on. So he did. And and so that it was it was just a murderous mess. Like they were, As a joke, as you left, yeah. you said to the compere, get me back on for an encore. Yeah, and I remember I remember God. getting like I remember having to be smuggled out of the back of a similar gig in Camden for, for, for sort of like accidentally upsetting a Hindu, if if I'm honest. Or not not accidentally upsetting, just explaining to the Hindu because what had happened was this Hindu had sort of taken control of the room totally. They were at the front they were they, they were they were spoiling things. They were mm. they were genuinely spoiling it. And I said to them and I was watching the dynamics of the table and what was happening was that the the, the bride to be was controlling the whole thing and every, nobody would laugh nobody would laugh unless she laughed. Mm. And everybody, all her bride whatever they what they call hens, were sort of looking at her for permission to laugh. Mm. And then it'd be like auxiliary chats would break out mm. uh, based on the subject matter of, of what's been said. So it was just unplayable and, and unnecessary and horrible. And I basically went on and explained that. That that's what they were doing. And the reason they're doing it is because you're here on your hen night and that's fair enough. But and your hen night is connected to your wedding and your wedding is your day. No one's denying that. Your wedding is your special day and you can wear what you want and everything. But we we are removed. This isn't your in her head, in the, mm. all their minds, this was an extension of the wedding. This was her special comedy mm. show. And so I had to explain that it wasn't. Which, you know, didn't sort of <laughs> go down that well. Everybody else was absolutely fine with it. But apparently they, they, they sort of chased after me. And I had to be smuggled out of a, 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 a back door. Which is a door I still don't know where it is. I just sort of emerged in Camden Lock. Yeah. Going, how did that even, I didn't even like some sort of weird coal shoot that I was sort of bumped So this is Tom. What a voice. My God, this one was an absolute pleasure to listen back to, not just because of the many varied, interesting things Tom has to say, but my God, his voice is just amazing, isn't it? Uh, we're going to be talking more about truth and comedy and the responsibility of the artist, uh, as well as some really fascinating stuff about the relationship between Tom's club and theatre comedy. Theatre comedy, not really a genre, but you know what I mean. And uh, and just the authorship, really, the, the, the principles of how he makes what he makes. So that's all to come. Uh, just to quickly plug some upcoming shows, uh, on the 3rd of June, I'm doing a preview with David Trent, brilliant, shouty, mental, video-based David Trent. Uh, on the 3rd of June, that's in Twickenham. You can get details by searching Scarecrow Comedy on Facebook. So 3rd of June in Twickenham for that. The 10th of June is a preview with uh, John Hastings, a great Canadian comedian. Uh, that's at the Harrison, which is a pub near Euston in London. Sorry, a lot of these are London. Um, there's some others in July coming up, which I'll, I'll tell you about. Uh, another episode, um, which I've got some a uh, few more out of London. Um, but that's the 10th of June in, in the Harrison. Uh, the 18th of June in the Pleasance in London in Caledonia Road. That's just me on my own doing a, doing a preview. Do come to that if you'd like. Uh, I'm really excited about the state of my show after 15 shows in New Zealand now. Uh, I'm Obviously, I'm back in the UK now, but I've got plenty more uh, Kiwi-based uh, guests that I recorded over there uh, still to come. Um, but yeah, 15 or 16 shows in New Zealand, and uh, it's sort of inconceivable to me, really, that I've never done that before, before going to Edinburgh. I actually had like a serious run of shows somewhere where you can do it every night and then come off and listen to it and write all day and then go back on. So that uh, was great. I'm... I'm talking nonsense now because i'm so terrifically jet lagged anyway the 6th of july uh, finally for now at the arg festival that's uh, the actually rather good festival um that is curated by our very own james pegs lowey uh 
the the garage in Highbury in London is where that's happening on the sixth, on the fifth and sixth of July, uh, the Saturday and Sunday, and that is something like forty Edinburgh previews all day with compares, and it's going to be bananas. I'm on the Sunday. I forget who else is on, but he's got loads. I mean, anyone. He's got some incredible acts on. So uh, anyone in their right mind wants to get along to that. The 6th of July, uh, the details there, argcomfest. That's argcomfest.com. Also, if you've got kids, I'm doing some comedy for kids at the Underbelly on South Bank. The Underbelly? Underbelly? One of those. I forget which is which. Um, on, uh, on the South Bank, in, again in London, that's the 7th of June at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know who else is on the bill, but I've seen it and I'm excited about it. So if you've got kids, bring them along to that. A um, couple of emails and, and tweets from uh, from listeners now, thanks to Ms London on Twitter, who pointed out that uh, Sam Wills, otherwise known as Tape Face, Boy with Tape on His Face, was actually my first Kiwi guest, contrary to what I'd said on the show regarding Ben Hurley. And that's true, but Sam Wills doesn't count because he's a carny. So where he's really from is the street, man. <laughs> but thanks for correcting me. Uh, and someone else called uh, Trevor Feelgood, lovely name Trevor, has suggested re-comedians, comedian merchandise. A couple of people have uh, suggested bits and bobs. And um, Trevor's suggestion is a T-shirt that says, I am happy with my place within the comedy industry. I really like that idea. That's very sweet. Uh, possibly we could do a series of those with uh, other T-shirts saying things like, I am incensed with my lack of progression within the comedy industry. Uh, or, or another one saying, I will just have to accept my place within the comedy industry. Um, more ideas, if you'd like, tweet me at comcompod, email me, info at comedianscomedian.com. Thank you, everyone, for your donations. Do take a second if you'd like to click on the PayPal button at comedianscomedian.com if you'd like to support the show. Uh, I do receive maybe half of those little messages that you can send alongside the PayPal donation, and about half of them get cut off mid-message for some reason. Don't know what's happening there, but apologies if I haven't responded to something you've asked me. That that might be what's going on. Um, but thank you to all of you. And do feel free, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, simply reach into your pocket, take out a donation, however big, however small, Whatever you think the show is worth, fold it up neatly and post it to me through the internet. Um, maybe you could send me the cost of a sandwich or a nice bottle of wine or a shit bottle of wine or a car. Whatever you think would best express your appreciation. So thank you to everyone that has. That's all for now. Let's get back to Tom Rigglesworth. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you play those kind of gigs, do you have kind of do you have recovery material? Do you have do you have sort of like a, I've got this in my back pocket. I'm going to start trying to do the stuff that interests me, and if it starts going south, I'll fall back on this old routine. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I'll, I try and make up a battle plan before I go on, and just think well, I'm probably going to do this, this, and this. Okay. And what are your, what's, what's one of your, let's look at the difference between one of your, with examples, if you can, if you can muster them, let's look at the difference between like a signature routine of yours that you would do in the best circumstances and your fireproof get me out of trouble stuff and where they came from and how they, how they evolved. 
Like, what's your favourite bit of material to do at the moment? If you had to do a five at a gala, yeah. all bets are off, and you want to show the best of you, what what bit would that be at the moment? I'd, I'd do a, a true story of a, a, a posh dinner party that I went to. The Coburn thing? Uh, yes, it's got that in it, if I want it to. Yes, of course. Um, okay. But it probably would have that in it. And, it. and it's got, yeah, it would have that in it. And it's got the posh people talking, and it's got sort of characterisation. It's got silly voices. Um, yeah, it's got silly voices. It alludes to the C word, but I don't even say it. Yes. And um, and it's got a, uh, jokes about wine. Okay. Um, and what and what is it that you're that you're proud of? What is it that would make you select that well, as your, that, your your trademark bit? Um, I don't know. I just really like. like I think it has got because it has got funny voices, which is you're funny. very good at funny voices as well, actually. Um, well, thanks very much. I don't, you, I don't, you, I you really get the most out of uh, your. Uh... Yeah, uh, well, I've only got a few. I can't do many, but but anyway, th- these ones. He's got funny voices. Always funny. Um, it's quite. It's a little bit sort of surreal. It's certainly. Ca- it's like a cartoon. There's cartoon elements to it, and then, and then, um, like probably like a, a good as good as example as I'll ever do anyway of 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 observational about like wine bottles just being honest and and saying that this is really cheap and you should only drink it when you're drunk yes or yes, don't yes. don't open this if you're already pissed yes that's what gotcha. you're saying that's it really yeah nice yeah yeah that's a nice wine bottles. yeah 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 because that that's we've everyone's known that quandary of like right it's three o'clock let's have the shit stuff yeah because we won't drink this or if you've got a nice what well, i will say to the wife this is this wine was 10 pounds or 50 pounds of don't don't open it if you're already pissed. <laughs> there seems so little point in, in wasting it. Um, so people really respond to that. It feels like one of those, you know, good examples of observational comedy where the audience like go, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We mm-hmm. all do that, and no one talks about it. And yes, like you sort of strike gold. And yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a badge of honour, isn't it? Almost yeah. you go, ah, nailed it. Yeah, yeah, Observed yeah. that. Got it. I was yeah. first. Yeah. That, you know, I yeah. got the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So in comparison, what would you be? What would be like a fallback, uh, uh, or not even a fallback? But you'd you'd plan for a tough gig, and you'd go right. Well, I'm definitely going to do that one. Um, I've got routines about tea bagging, <laughs> which tend to appeal to, you know, rooms that you'd describe as as sort of tough, or um, like when I went to see a sex show. Probably quite rude. Oh, the uh, the glasses. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The glasses and the contact lens. Yeah, I mean, just sort of, but more dirty stuff, I guess. I haven't really got any other plan though. Like, if it's going to be hard, I mean, I'm quite good at gently imploding, and referring to the situation, you know, sort of third, and pulling myself out of it. Yes. Death. Oh, I just take questions, or, or I wait until I get heckled, and then I play with that. Okay. And then um, that's I mean that's an interesting strategy. That's not something that comes up in these very often. Yeah, I've, I mean I've, I've I've got quite a nice line uh, <laughs> at the moment. Go on. Where I'll I'll get heckled, and usually I, I'm I'm very much of the persuasion these days. If someone heckles me, I'm really interested in 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 it. Mm-hmm. And unless if they're being a bit of a dick, then obviously I'll try and push it into the carpet and carry on. But if if I've got to make a snap decision, if me pursuing this hackle will be funnier than the material I'm about to do is going to be perceived. I've got to pick the funniest path. That is admirably unprecious. 
yeah, that's, that's what I try and do. And 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 you'll annoy everybody. You'll you'll annoy some people in every situation because there'll be some people going. We were listening to that, and I've got a hand on heart. Go, yeah, but it wouldn't have been as funny as what I did. I think, and I I was the one who had to make that call. So you've got you've got, you've got to sort of go. No, I'm going to ignore it and do my material. My material's funnier than how this will end. Okay. Or my material's not as funny as this. Yes. This is going to look more impressive. It's going to look more engaging. It's going to make people laugh more so do do that and when you just uh, well let's let's just kind of digress uh, stay with heckles for a minute do you have systems do you have processes that you use in order to 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 emerge victorious are you going in what's your toolkit yeah, when someone yeah. Heckles my you? toolkit is being nice mm-hmm. i'm really nice to hecklers um i'm I'll, I'll i'll try and understand what they mean because usually they don't know themselves so there's, I mean, like I guess my 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 heckle toolkit is politeness and a machine that gives them enough rope to hang themselves, like a sort of fishing wire. Okay, go and explain that. Well, I mean, that's a lovely image, but what what does that mean in real terms? Uh, well, how, well, how do you well, do that? You sort of, uh, I can't think of any sort of prime examples, but you just you ask them to expand on what they meant, mm-hmm. and usually there's a massive logical flaw, or you can comedically put it into a massive logical flaw and then explain why they were wrong. But what I do now is is. Uh, uh, which I really love doing is if I get any sort of heck on. And it really, another thing is, of course, is where, how the, you were being perceived by the audience at that point. So if the heckle is out of place, I love it because now the rest of the audience is going to just revel in your takedown of this heckler. So I'll, I'll get a heckle and then I'll get him to say something else and then I'll, I'll have him to say two things and then I... <laughs> I pretend that he is a new heckler and we should be celebrating this man's first yes, okay. gig as a heckler. And it's, you know, it's so exciting because sometimes hecklers are really good, but, you know, we've all seen great hecklers, but they're not born overnight. They, these good hecklers, they have to work the clubs like comedians do. So, yeah. so, so we've obviously got a new heckler. And then I just sort of talk through his day of being nervous at work because it's... <laughs> That's he's lovely. He's got his first gig tonight as a heckler. That's lovely. His boss is there, and, and he's sort of before the gig, is nervously going through his heckles, um, and someone, someone saying to him like, "Hopefully you've planned these heckles right. You can't just heckle. You need to have planned it right. The comedians are really good at this." So he, the guy normally like I'll have him just read out his planned heckles, which are of course the two things that he. Told yes. Him. Yes. Lovely. And now when stripped of all their. Bile and poison and... And spontaneity. Yeah, and spontaneity yeah. just look absurd. And whatever they say will always look like... And it, I, at that moment, I've never felt more... I appear to be walking on water. Yes. That's how it feels like. The audience are going, how is he? How have you done that? And, and it totally scripted. I just needed two marks from him. So I just needed one, and then I'll get him to say another, and then we're off. And the Lovely. audience, it appears that I've made it all up. On, on the spot and at the end of that people are like that will probably be funnier than the material I was sure doing at the time sure so I'll then and still satisfying because it's yeah, still yeah, something you've written material. you're not just I'll... giving up your gig in order to just yeah and then if, you, if, if, if that, all that works you can then go right upon it where were we and you can pick up yeah because yeah. you've usually won it but, so it's, it's it's a great sort of dynamic sport isn't it stand up you're never quite sure where you stand you're never quite sure what, how, how, how well anything's going to go. So, so it's, it's funny. 
So with with just let's pursue that line of um, of things being scripted or like the appearance of uh, the appearance of improvisation. Pseudo ad libs. Pseudo ad libs, if you like. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, let, let, <clears throat> like so it seems like the the logical endpoint of that is your scripted stories. Yeah. Now you, um, no, no, I don't. No, I'm I'm wrong to say that. I don't mean I don't mean I'm not suggesting that they appear to be ad libbed. But I'm interested in this idea of truth because you're well known for. Um, uh, you're well known for story shows since I mean I guess the first one I'm thinking of is the the Richard Branson one yeah which I was to confess I never saw but if you could just explain it explain the premise of that uh, for our premise audience. was I would as the the show premise was that I would start the show writing a letter sat at a desk with a train set going around writing a letter to Richard Branson and saying dear Richard I'm angry about what happened and then like a couple of jokes about his name I think and then. And I'll say, let me explain what happened. And I'll stand up and then I'll tell this story. And there was an old woman on a train, basically, who got, had to pay loads of money. I had a whip round, got all the money back. By the time I got to Houston, the police were waiting to arrest me. For begging for on begging, the train. Yeah, yeah so begging, in inverted commas, The yeah. charge was the begging, yeah. Um, and then... And this is a true story a true that actually story. happened. Yeah. And then in the show, I did it so... Which was also true. I... Um, I, I got released by the police, having been arrested. They let me go. I went home, had a nap. When I woke up from the nap, which was true, there was a voicemail, also true. And a voicemail I then play to the audience. And that voicemail was from the old woman's daughter, which was true. I just re-recorded it. And that voicemail had callbacks to all the... Jokes, so right? like, all of the yeah. things happened except the the voicemail that you played back on the night of your show yeah. was fake. A, it was fake. You'd written it and yeah. had an actress record it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it tied up any loose ends that I'd not tied up. Okay. It was tied up by this voicemail. And then when the voicemail was playing, I slipped back behind the desk and then the spotlight would come back up and I'd be there going, so Richard, that's what happened, bloody, 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 blah, and sign off like that. That was how it was sort of theatrically done. I've got loads of questions about that. Let's start with um, the uh, the kind of the mechanics of it. Um, that I, I think of that as being a show that put you on the map in a way that you were previously a, a respected club comic, yeah. and that really made waves. Is that is that right? Am I right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that that. Um, I mean, the publicity must have been incredible because of the genuine yeah, like free, human interest story. Publicity. It's like this guy's Robin Hood. Yeah, free publicity. Um, and then you were able to back it up, unlike, yeah. you know, we all yeah. know people who've done publicity stunts and then taken yeah, a show yeah, to Edinburgh and, yeah, blah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah with a, a sketchy 40 minutes. Well, exactly, yeah, <laughs> and, and some support acts. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> No, no, it was, it was really, it was, it, I was very proud of it by the end. Um, and because it was nice, because, like, it was the perfect... One thing about it that I liked was it started with me getting on the train and kind of finished with me getting off it. It was just one train journey. Mm. Uh, and, and obviously span off into asides and there, but so all the characters were contained on the train there was a lawyer the old woman the ticket inspector some a group of Mancunian women and they were all the real I mean the thing is they weren't real they weren't actually on that train they were on different train journeys I've had in my life okay is the truth of it well the sure. lawyer was there because that was one of the funniest bits there was loads of really funny bits like that were true one of which, for example, was that the police got me in Houston because I approached them. Right. They were looking for a beggar. 
And I had to go up to them. So, hello there. Say hello. I in my sorry, cravat and shirt. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, I know this is weird, but I'm the beggar. Um, and and they were like, you're the beggar, right? Well, it was, it was this guy then. And I'd, I'd, along the way, I'd picked up a lawyer who was Incredible. on his way from... Okay. <laughs> I said, this is my legal representative. <laughs> so, like, I, remember, I remember one joke I really liked saying that. How good a beggar would you have to be <laughs> if you could afford <laughs> a permanent get, lawyer on standby? <laughs> to follow your own. A wingman of a legal, yes. <laughs> legal eagle yes. wingman. It's so funny, and that was that was kind of true. He was there. He he found out what happened on the train, and he was like, "Well, I'll I'll make sure the police, you know, treat you." <laughs> so, did you when you were writing that show? Did you start off writing a sort of just the fact version? And then populate it with things that were true, as you say, but from other situations. Or did you go, I'm going to tell this story from the off and I'm just going to flesh it out and make it all about, Um, you know, a a bigger picture? Yeah, well, I knew the ending. Uh, I I, I mean, it was a matter of sort of putting it into a show presentation, presentable format, which I liked having the um, letter. So it started off writing the letter and finished. Yeah, but so the end of it... I'd put this letter in an envelope and walk walk off. So I'd written a letter. The whole show is the, the writing of a letter. So I knew the ending, and then I, obviously the story itself is fairly contained. And then it was just, yeah, it was fleshing it out with, like, other characters. I needed other characters. I needed little side spins of stand-up to, mm. to, to, to flesh out the hour, basically, or to give, you know, resonance to other bits. And you deliver it, you deliver the show at face value as if all of the elements of it are true. Yeah, and do you think the audience, when the lady comes in and does callbacks to all the stuff, yeah, do you did you feel at the time that the audience were kind of going, oh, I get it, this is clever, he's recorded a version, or did you think no, they, they thought were it was real. face value? They thought it was real, and it wasn't far off. Sure, like for example, the the, the real the real one said, "Hi, Tom, you don't know me, but you've just helped my mum on the train," um, and. Uh, and I used that. I used that same line. I'm sure. Um, and I got Diane Morgan to record it mm. as to just just pretend to be a fifty year old woman and here's the script. And I recorded it. I recorded it in my flat, and she was in her flat. I recorded it over the phone. Yeah, because it was a voicemail anyway. Perfect. Um, but I think we re-recorded it when I when I did it on tour. It was a bit hissy, mm-hmm. so I re-recorded it with her. Anyway, it was the same script. Um, but so it's the same. It started off the same thing. I Tom, you don't know me. But then it, I just referred to what the old woman was doing, and she was she was doing something with the grand. It was something really sort of heartstring probably. She was playing with the grandchildren or something, mm. with giving them chocolate, which I'd referred to earlier. So it sounded like it. It sounded like it could mm. totally be true. Yes, okay. it absolutely sounded like it could be true. You would not, and a lot of people would have, I think, quite rightly thought that's real, and he's just written a stand-up about it. Mm. It would have been 50-50 at best whether you'd have gone, what did he do first here? Did he, did he, is that a real yes. voicemail and he put yes. a stand-up in? Because the stand-up wasn't, like, like, it wasn't vital, it wasn't amazingly funny, it was just cheeky little asides to sort of backward engineer mm. the, the callback, and mm. it made it all sort of resonate and complete, rather than someone who might have thought, which was the truth, I wrote it, and then... I wrote it with view to making up the voicemail. So it's yes, they okay. both happened at the same time. Okay. I made all of it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I always, I made it up with view for it to sound in, of course, real. 
And did you find you were, it sounds to me like the sort of thing you'd go, right, I'm going to write this show today, sit down and bang it all out in eight hours because it all happened and you had, I mean, that's the easiest stuff I've ever written is story stuff about a particular thing that already happened yeah. that I've described to lots of my mates in the pub and go, well, I know the structure of this because I've said it. And then you write down, you sit down, write it all out and go, well, it's probably I can expand on that, that, that and that. I mean, did that show sort of, did you come out of it going, and I don't mean to denigrate any hard work that went into it, but did you go, well, there we go. Um, lucky me, something brilliant. Yeah, the, I mean, I was a bit lucky. There was only like, apart from the fact it was a, a very attractive story in that sort of David Goliath. Yeah, I mean, it could way. easily have been on southeastern trains. Yeah, and that wouldn't have had anything like the impact of it being virgin. I guess so, um, but there's only really like I could tell you the story in seven minutes, giving you every factual thing. Sure. And that would be with jokes. And that mm. would be like an entertaining pub version. Sure. So there's an awful lot to read. Of course, on top. yeah. There was, a, there was loads of fitting in and spinning off and working out where callbacks are going to be, working out where, you know, backstories of the... Co- of, oh, God. It, 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 it took me weeks. Right. Weeks okay. and weeks to write. Okay. And, and every time I'd be like... <laughs> I'm really good at writing something wrong. Yes, like I'm really good at writing something, going, yeah, that's, that's really good. That, and then and then listening to it back, and then thinking about it, and then just think, I'm just going to swap that round. Oh, that's it. It's worked. And I've even tried. I've written a bit and thought, I'm going to swap it around before I even do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm so sure that I've done it wrong. Swap it around, failed. Swap it, swap back, it back, works. works. <laughs> yeah, just so predisposed. And when you when you say listen back, are you are you going out and recording all your gigs? Is that I try to? Yeah, not all yeah. of them, but but I, I mean, I record ones that, and then and then. You know, crushingly listen back. This is upsetting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The ones that you thought were deaths, you were never as bad as that. The yeah. one that you thought were killer, were yeah. never as good as you remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and yeah, it's hard. So you're you're writing. What what does your writing environment look like? I can imagine you in a, a book line study. Um, no, um, I, I sort of I wrote. That one in, I've got I've got a spare room. And I wrote it in there. I remember with it. Oh no, I wrote half of it in there, half of it on the kitchen worktop. I really liked it because we just knocked the wall down. In the, um, we've got a kitchen and living room, and we knocked the wall down in between. Me and the wife did, one day because we promised. I promised to take her on holiday, and she we'd done everything right. I'd like book no gigs. We're going on holiday. We're having a proper holiday. She complained. Um, so I did and then it got really close and we'd saved up a thousand pounds to go on holiday and um, as we got closer we didn't we didn't care where we went we were just we were just like no kids no no real drive to go anywhere we just want to go on holiday and it was I think it was I can't remember what, what time of year it was but anyway it was funny it was as, it, as the time neared as the holiday approached it became bafflingly clear that flights were going up in price exponentially to the point where like a week before we were due to go it was 250 pounds per flight per person anywhere out of the country mm. so that was like all our money gone mm. just getting two of us out and in again so we're like well, what's happened with school holidays on it we just happened oh, to you but oh god like out idiots. of all of yeah, the <laughs> childless yeah. idiots let's go away are. on december 31st yeah. 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 Full. yeah it was half term or something yeah so, so that so i said right well we can't i mean this is it's not happening. We'll have a DIY holiday. I'll, I'll do all the jobs that I said I'd do, and one of them was to knock the wall down. 
So we did. We, it was great. We had a week where we were not to all that. We worked like we built up. We built up a kitchen unit, worktop, kitchen unit, shelves, poly. It's wonderful. Lights, plugs, everything. We did it all ourselves. It took us nearly a week working like eight hours a day and just being knackered at the end. It's like on a proper job. It's great. Um, and I wrote it on there because it was really nice being in the kitchen and looking across the living room out of the balcony. And you could like put the laptop on there, and it's, I built it for tall people, so it's higher than a normal kitchen worktop. The wife is tall the as well. The wife is tall, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scandinavian. Um, the wife, not the worktop. No, mind you, the wood <laughs> is actually Scandinavian. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be nice to write on there because then you could just sort of walk around into the living room and sort of try out what you just said mm. um, in the space of the living room, and I'd just be sort of doing laps. So I'd walk into the living room, sort of say it, and then walk back into the kitchen, type it out again, walk back into just do laps. I quite like right, like that. But the, I mean, I like I have I sort of iPhones are really useful for taking notes. You know, my phone is full of sentences that may or may not turn into bits. Uh, probably not, like you know. But um, sentences, sentences or yeah. angles or yeah, premises, both. all the, all those sorts all of things. Them, okay. Yeah. And sometimes I, I'm, I I don't write down enough mm. for it to be unpickable later. So I will just go, what does Nuka on ice mm. really mean um, you know when when talking about uh, economics I can't think how I was trying to other times they, they, they handy but I mean the point is I get it's so annoying because I'll just I'm in a swimming pool and I'll think of something that I have to I have to write this down start clawing it into yeah, your hand yeah, as you nail I've got, I've got <laughs> it out before I've, I've pulled over on motorways yeah go out of swimming pools you know um, appeared rude at funerals <laughs> <laughs> loads of times I've got to write this down because I know I'll forget it and it will be gone forever I've done that so many I, I, I shudder to think like at least an Edinburgh show's worth of ideas I've just gone I didn't write it down I remember it yeah didn't can we follow the process of you turning one of those notes into a bit can you think of an example from the last show or from something um, or something you're working on Something you're working on at the moment, if you're if you're writing. Yeah, well, this, this dinner party thing is is like the cornerstone of this show I'm doing now. The funniest bit, um, and a, it's a cornerstone of the show, really. It, 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 this show I'm doing now, it's me at dinner, and it was a true story. I was at this posh charity dinner. I was sat next to Christine Hamilton. Lulu, my wife, was sat next to William Duncan Smith, and the that. What happened there blew my mind because um, so I was sat next to Christine Hampton and I was sat next to another really posh man but Lulu had been told not to talk politics with Ian Duncan Smith on the grounds that you won't win. Told by whom? Everybody. Okay. Everybody. Like because we knew who we were going to sit next to. Mm. And so you'd done your research beforehand? Well the organisers had sort of promised us um, that we'd sit next to someone interesting. So, so we were sat, not we were sat together. I mean, well, we mm. sat, well, I was sat next to Christine Hammers and she was sat next to me and Duncan Smith. It was quite a, quite a coup, really. We were quite lucky. Mm. I know, well. Yeah, in, sure. In from the, the point of view yeah. of narrative yeah. of yes. one's life. From the point yeah. Of view of, of public figures. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a very, very sort of um, upper class event. You know, you're going to get a certain type of, um, of A lister there. So, so Duncan Smith was kind of the middle of the tea towel. <laughs> if you'd make a tea, I always like making. Imagine any event as a tea towel. Um, it would be in the middle, 
Um, As a tea, I'm, I'm yeah, struggling you know, to envisage the kind of tea towel. Like if you mean. had a tea towel of a town, mm-hmm. like if you had a tea towel of London, then gotcha. St Paul would be in the middle, probably. I understand. And okay, the Shard yeah. and the Westminster, whatever. Um, who would be, what would be in the middle of the tea towel? Okay. The main, like a Star Wars poster. What? Who would be? Yes. Um, yes, who middle. gets the foreground? Yeah, yeah, okay. and then, yeah. then obviously you've got auxiliary characters. Now, sure, so. sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> okay. So, Ian Nookie Smith, middle of the tea towel. Uh, Christine Hamilton, top left. Foreboding corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looming present. <laughs> Sith Lord. <laughs> and um, uh, she got a bit tipsy and then got political started arguing politics to Ian Duncan Smith. Right? I didn't know this because I was... Your like, wife what? this is, not, yeah, not my wife. Mrs. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, no. Um, Mrs. Christian Hamilton was really nice to me during that whole... I was on their yeah, show in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. They were both charming. Yeah, yeah she was so charming. Um, she was really... excited to do a little speech. I was petrified. And anyway, uh, Ian, the wife has a go at Duncan Smith and he, completely true, pulls out a pamphlet to give to the wife. Okay. Um... And it was curved to the shape of his own arse because it had been in the back trouser pocket, right? And Luda came up to me like after the dessert and went, "You won't believe what's happened." Um, and I, she showed me the thing, and I straight away went, "Oh my god!" And like wrote, wrote, just wrote it in the phone and said, "We need to take that home. This might be one of the funniest things <laughs> I've ever seen: a man moulding his own manifesto <laughs> to the shape of his own arse, um, and then delivering it." <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible. I was laughing for about a week, and then and that and that was started with a sort of that's not a very good example of what you mean, but it still started with that one mm-hmm. sort of pinprick moment of like mm. this happened, and then involved padding it out. So I wasn't sat next to the guy I was in the show. I said I was sat next to. I didn't know who he was. Okay. Um, so that's odd because the so what you're saying is the most unbelievable elements of the story yeah. are real. Yeah. And actually, it's the, it's the more mundane yeah. things that you've put in as you've sort of fit them in around the. Yeah, and and I, and and I made them up. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And so that, what? So the, that character is the Coburn character. Yeah, is fictitious. You just think yeah. Coburn's a funny name. You wanted to do some stuff about it. I, I have met someone like that. Yes. Uh, and obviously, people do have that surname. But I, I just I know who it is. It's um, one of my um, uh, parents-in-law, what are they called? Mm. Lula's parents, one of them, mm. one of their friends is very, very, very wealthy. Um, gotcha. Sort of Northland. Like, and, and I remember seeing them like just crapping on with really expensive wine and they were doing that thing where they, they she appeared to sort of speak with such eloquence and she's just so verbose and unnecessarily fucking wordy. That whatever she said, she then sort of inhaled them back in yeah. through her nose, and I was just watching this. I'd sort of lost. I didn't know what she was talking about. It was way too intellectual, and, and I, I didn't get it. So I, all I could see were the words coming out and then being sucked back up. And so I just decided, like that—that that was that. That went in the phone. So I—I I mean, in this situation, when I'd got this sort of Aspen thing of the manifesto from Ian Duncan Smith, it's then a matter of going through the phone of what other. Mm. funny situations you can mm. add into this this thing so I made him sit next to me but there was a really posh man sat next to me like he was quite he was kind of like Tim Nice but dim he was staggeringly wealthy but stupid when you're when you're 
populating a, a stand-up story like that with people, it sort of feels like fair game to add whoever you want. Yeah. And put, because that's what stand-up is, isn't it? It's this yeah. sort of the smoke and mirrors of going, this just happened, or, you know, a funny thing happened to me on day X today or whatever. And, you know, you, you and I'm, I'm preoccupied at the moment with this because I'm doing, I'm doing a similar process at the end of the show that I'm writing at the moment. Um, where I'm kind of fudging a couple of... Or for, to me, it feels like fudging a couple of occurrences into one thing. That My show's about, partially about children. There are a number of children in my life, nephews, godchildren, my uh, girlfriends, nephews and nieces, and I'm slightly using them as interchangeable in order to tell a wider yeah, course, story about yeah. my reaction to children. Yeah. Well, you say, of course, but to me it feels wrong. Really? And I'm, I'm having a sort of fight against an instinct of going... No, no, I want to, you know, because in my head they're very different specific humans and I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm exploiting them slightly by going, mm. by pretending it was Charlie that fell off the wall and not Tom. Do you mean because they're from two different families? Do no. you have any issue? No. no, I have no issue with doing that. Not me. even when, in the case of your grandfather show, mm. The Utterly Odds with the Universe, you are, there. there is real recording, I think I'm right in saying, is there real recording of your, your grandfather and you mm. speaking? And then at the end well, of the show, I mean, uh, there is, there's recording of an actor playing your grandfather. Well, um, yeah, no, we don't want to give away too much, do we? Um, but and people come up to me all the time and say, are those recordings, you know, the t- you know the, the, I mean, for, for, the, for the purposes of the listeners of this podcast, the show starts with me interviewing my granddad when I was little. And the show ends with him interviewing me without me being there, mm. essentially. And um, people say, well, those tapes are real, what, what was... And then I'll say, do you really, really, really want to know? And they'll, they'll go, uh, no, I don't. Yeah, so people don't normally want to know sure. whether it was... I Because they're, that's part of the buying yeah. into the show process. Yeah, yeah. So it was... And because I guess they don't want to hear you say... You know, they don't. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. either way, but they don't yeah. want to hear was, you say, I mean, for example, no, they're not, and then walk away with their dreams crushed. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, but when you think about it, it's obvious what the truth is and that is well I'll give it away now I don't mind if, if, if you really don't want to know just don't listen you just um, press pause now and when truth, you unpause we'll still yeah, be having yeah. this conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's how pause worked didn't it? Um, the truth of it was I found a box of tapes that was me interviewing my granddad but there were hissy old cassettes that had been in a dusty box so I, co- I copied them into the computer and whatever audio effect I could try and EQing and noise gating and anything, just they still sounded awful. Just for headphones, sort of fine, but put it through a big PA, and you just mm. just this massive hiss. Or if you could took the hiss out, you took out all the mm. the meat of the voice, so everyone just sounded like they're on a phone. So they were just unplayable, and they were sort of they were crash edited into other moments that we were recording. So. You know, it was it was yeah. very choppy. But I replicated that. So I basically got um, my friend, who's my age, I've known for years and years, he's got a seven-year-old son um, called Paddy and um, he's very... And he's born and bred in Sheffield and he's got a bit of a lisp. So he sounds just... He sounds exactly like mm. my tapes, or the mm. original ones. It's mm. unbelievable. And then my mate, Paddy's dad, his dad... So Paddy's granddad. So we got a real granddad and grandson sure, from Sheffield. Sure. Um, which were which age wise would have been absolutely spot on. They would have, yeah. And it sounds so. So the first bit was just a, a re-recording, basically, of the original. They sure. were just re-recordings because I was and I was taking lines off the original tape. I was saying to Paddy, say this, and they ad-libbed yes. a bit. And I can't remember what ad-libs. 
it's it's only very brief anyway. There's only about sort of six sentences each, but sure. Uh, out of those six, four of them were lifted off the other one. So, so is this a case of this this process was kind of authentic enough for you, given the circumstances? There, e.g., there were real tapes. Yeah. Would you feel differently? Would you ever do a show, say, where I don't know? Imagine hypothetically, you did a sequel to this show, and you, or not even a sequel. What am I going to say? Hypothetically, would you do a show where you presented stuff which had not had any basis in fact? You just thought, oh, it's a good idea, and you could record them. Obviously, you've proved that you could record something that looked amazing like that. Would would that feel like that? Your would it feel dishonest somehow? Would you feel like no, it's complete? I'm not. I'm not trying to lead you in either direction. No, would you feel like look, this is fiction. The stand-up contains elements of truth, and fictionalizing truth is something yeah, yeah, that we're yeah. allowed to. I uh, um, I know a few people. Um, well, I'll answer that in a second. The the so the first tapes. Let's remember in this show I'm doing up are, are like digital remasters mm-hmm. of the originals mm-hmm. because the originals it would have sounded awful. Mm-hmm. It would have just sounded terrible. So anybody that. Oh, so by digital remasters, you mean rebuilds with actors? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, redone with, sure, with, sure. With, a, with a different child and, and the, gotcha. his granddad, prompted by me gotcha. to sound like the original. And then I crash-edited in um, clips from Band-Aid and whatever to sound like it was in the mid-80s, which yes. is how the tape yes. sounded anyway. Absolutely, so, so and all, all, very successful, yes. Very like, authentic. Mm-hmm. And then the last tape is the same, my mate's dad, Jeff, um, who... Is a complete work of fiction, mm-hmm. and and you, I'd I'd like to think I actually made I changed a bit of the show so people would know it was fiction because that's interesting because why? Well, uh, I didn't want to freak people out, and like in the train story, it, it follows a very similar template to the train story with and and the voicemail at the end of the train story is the equivalent of the cassette tape interview at the end of this story. Now, with the train story, I absolutely wanted people to believe that the voicemail was real at the end. Right. And I have no shame in saying, well, the only reason I didn't use a real one is because I'd, it had fallen off my phone. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to, and then mm-hmm. I just sewed in a couple more callbacks to tidy it up. Mm-hmm. But that's called theatre, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would... I'm, people would say it was a voicemail real, and I'd say, well, no, but it was based on. Um, and I, but I'd, I'd expect people to believe it was real. It's up to them if they don't. It's totally up to them. I don't mind. But with this one, I wanted people to... I didn't want people to think it was definitely real. People still do, but I try to, like... There's so many callbacks in it that my belief is this is just a experiment in what would happen if I could... If the last interview with my granddad took place, that... The, the, the show's all about the gotcha. last interview so it's yes. more like a fantasy it's a fantasy yes. the last yes. tape is like and a, it's important to you that they know that it's fantasy yeah that I've pointed to it enough that this is yes. clearly a sort of a, yes. a extrapolated dream gotcha based on everything I've told you up to now because yes. the callbacks are so like signposted sure that for this to be real is insane like there's no now it's no way that is this real and yes, he wrote everything gotcha. up to it now oh that's great he's explored the idea of what that mm. but hopefully you're so swept up with the the 
the sentimental style of the the story and everything that and you want to hear the voicemail that mm. you can suspend disbelief enjoy it and probably get a bit quivery lipped and think about god what what would i say if i was doing that or what what would what would i want to hear or what would i say mm. is how i th- this is the reason i think most people sort of end up crying is is and it's it's just really you know it's i think it's a nice idea that that what you're going to say what would, if you could record a tape before you died for someone, what would you... Amazing. Um, but I don't want people thinking it was real because that would I think that would be a slightly unfair manipulation of grief. And, I mean, when I did it in Edinburgh once, there was one girl crying so much at the end that I changed the tense because at the time I was doing it like my granddad was still alive and he dies out of the blue. I mean, people... A lot of people said, no, you shouldn't. You don't need to. Like, after eight minutes, I'm by his bedside. Mm. It's not looking good for Gramps. Yeah. You know what I mean? After eight, well, I, you should have an idea where this is going to end, right? Sure. Um, and but but I, she freaked me out so much. This girl who would, was was very very teary, um, and very upset, like upset and angry actually, angry because and it felt I felt like I'd manipulated grief too much and and and, and by pretending that he was alive and then, and then he dies and then that tape. And at the time, the tape, I think, the callbacks weren't as well sewn in, so it, it felt like it could probably be real, and I've just had a go at telling routines that will resonate with it. So it's probably way too, uh, like, raw. In a, in a, and she just lost someone. Obviously, there was a backstory sure, to her, which, sure. which, which yeah. you know, resonated with what I was doing. So so she was in bits. I had a very long chat with her in Edinburgh about what I was trying to do and, and, and how I in this case, kind of failed. Um, so I changed a bit of the tenses, which I since sort of play with. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I mean, it was a spectacular one-off, this. Mm. And there were other elements at play, not just the tense of my granddad is or my granddad was. Mm. Um, and then I had another guy uh, a few weeks later who just came up to me in Edinburgh in bits, a broken man. You're just, just sobbing. Um, and I sort of hugged him for ages, and, it, and, and then we had a long chat, and then he... Um, basically what happened was his grandma had died about three months before and his family, proper northern England family, they're just like completely emotionally chastised. They'd not talked about any of mm. the passing of their, you know, a matriarchal figure. So, so no one had really discussed it. Um, and so whatever grief and stuff was just welling up inside him, this show had just popped Mm. And so it was a gibbering wreck, and, it, and then he sent me a brilliant email thanking me for the for the sort of cathartic nature of it. But I, I like I don't mind like it's it's been really hard and emotional writing it and performing it has been the case that case as well. But you can't play with grief fast and loose. You can't you can't have people. It's got to be safe, right? It's got to be a safe expert. Like so, when people are crying at the end, they know. I want them to cry knowing it's not real. Mm. And, I'm going to, and think, I'm going to let myself think it's real so I can cry. And I know it's not real. And, it, you know, this is just, oh, isn't it lovely? And like, oh, we're laughing and crying, we're laughing and crying. It's mad. This is value yes. for money. This is value yes. for money. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I want people to feel. Not yes. like, okay. this is brutal. Sure, sure. <laughs> and is this something you can see yourself pursuing? I know you're not, you're not going to Edinburgh this year. 
Um, do you know what have you started thinking because you've been touring this show for a while have you started thinking what your next show what your next tour well, might be about no I'm, I'm, so I'm doing a radio series I did a radio series about phone calls yes. back to my parents Hang, hangs up yeah, yeah hang, hang ups hang ups um, sorry uh, cracking title good work thanks very much <laughs> Tom Riggles has hang ups that's the title um, and I'm doing another series I'm writing another series basically I should be writing it now if James Kettle hears this He's going to be furious. Because <laughs> um, he knows I should be sending him stuff. Um, so I'm doing that in the autumn. With, that's been recorded in the autumn. And uh, I mean, it's... I've got. I've also got like... like I mean, for example, like things... You, it comes a point where you just like... You made, me, you made me think of it earlier. Like when I was on the train, that time I was on the train, right? I thought, oh, I'm just going to leave it. An old woman had been done over. Uh, whatever happens all the time, and then part of me, part of me did feel a sort of massive pang of public duty when I realised that if, if everybody put a quid in, we would solve this. But there would be no problem. Somebody's got to tell everybody. So as a public speaker, I have to. This would be if I don't do this. This is the equivalent of a midwife just walking past a pregnant woman in difficulty, saying, "Sorry, love, it's my day off." You know, yeah. you cannot yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You're totally duty bound on every level to step in. So I stepped in. Is there a comedian on board? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, and so, and that was in my mind of like, I'm just going to push this, I'm going to push it, I'm going to push it. And even when I was like being told off by the guard, I was and I'm just going to push it as far as I can just to see what will happen, right? And then and th- and that happened. I wrote that show about it. And then um, uh, it's the same with the finding of the tapes, really. I found the tapes and, and then, well, that sort of, took care of itself but but what's interesting that one I'm not going to Edinburgh because I'm sort of um I've got a weird bet on that I'm trying to get I've got a doppelganger who plays American football and I'm trying to get him to try stand up uh, and maybe a quarterback um it's a ludicrous proposition but um, for, for you more than him one yeah, might yeah, imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I mean he could be quite good right um, <laughs> I would definitely be shit <laughs> he could just get someone really good to write five minutes <laughs> and nail it and you want him to make him do his own material as well well I don't know about that yeah right? sure okay. I mean whatever wherever it comes from right? yeah. whatever just do five minutes and I'll be a that's the idea I made this little video of of, of it of I mean this all it was was um I got back in one day and uh, we were making roast chicken and my Twitter feed started to light up with, um, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers, this American footballer, is, is moonlighting on uh, some science programme. I was doing this science programme and there was a screen grab of me and him and we kind of looked the same, but not really. And then um, it, we watched it. We watched. I watched it just go a bit mad on Twitter and I was going, what is this? Who is it? So we were looking into who he was um, if you put Aaron Rodgers image search you'll think I'm on it no, I'm it all over it and then you'll go live. oh yes he does Aaron with two A's yeah of course yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers go keep, do, keep, um, keep, keep telling me the story while I, uh, while I the, just look um, this in the background see if I can is that from here uh, oh no I don't think I've read that uh, no 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 that's uh, I don't no. know what is there anything like no, you image search that, that's a corporate clean cut one that's not the case okay um, okay keep, keep going so the plan is you're, you're, the Twitter feed lit up yeah, Twitter feed lit up. Um, I waded in and put a post to the sort of stand-up clip with him on. <laughs> okay. Um, 
No, with me on. Sorry, the stand-up clip for, for me. Um, and then... Um, oh, yeah, OK. There you go. There yeah, you go. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but seriously, people in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, they can't believe it. Like, I mean... Incredible. Um, I've got an angle. It needs to be the one angle. Yes, I look just like yes. Him. OK. Um, so I made... Um, so it's just a point of like, right, how can we kick this as far as possible? This is a weird opportunity, like, and, and obviously regret is, is crushing. So um, I was touring at the time, it was so busy, but I, I made a video called Where Do You Think You're From? Which yeah. is, um, uh, you know, a, a genealogical um, yes. look back at yes, uh, okay. possibly. It's on YouTube called Where Do You Think You're From? Okay. Um, and I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, that's how you've approached him by putting a YouTube video. Yeah, yes, but gotcha. he follows me on Twitter. He, he tweeted me. Okay, he's, he's, I mean, he's an extremely famous American sportsman, but I, I've, said, I've got the odd message from him. He's a lovely man, and he's a proper like I, he's a sports hero. He's really good. Like he's broken loads of records and stuff, and it's just he seems so nice. And he had a bit of a difficult start to his career, so he overcame adversity early okay. on. So people just adore him. Okay. Quite rightly, it sounds amazing. Oh, I so can't he's, wait he's to got, see what this turns into. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and is like is 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 up for a laugh. You know, he doesn't seem precious and weird, yeah. and, and he seems very very. We've we've got to wrap up, um, but I want to just before you go, I want to get a couple of things. I'd like to know what you get out of stand up. What is it that drives you to do it? You seem pretty confident in yourself you seem pretty happy we haven't maybe 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 there aren't any demons or maybe we haven't sort of struck upon them uh yeah but i mean i'm classically the sort of fourth out of five children really so (laughs) is that a classic thing well maybe maybe the north tom it's quite yeah i think it's quite uh, statistically that comedians are the youngest part of a brood you might find because like no one listens to them so they've got to find out they've got to find unique clever more you know, noticeable ways of being listened to. And is that it for you? Yeah, you want yeah, to be listened yeah. to? Oh, God, yeah, totally, totally. No one ever listened to me when I was there. Listening that, now, though! And that, <laughs> and that yeah. but there are ways to be listened to without being funny. Yeah. But they've they've also been taken by older siblings. <laughs> really? Well, you know, I mean, how are you going to do it then if you're not going to, like, shouting... No, I mean in terms of like your, I, I, like, oh, I see. like I you know, you you a, could be you could be uh, you know, an, uh, well, you know, or an, an actor or a playwright or something. I mean, you know, your your comedy is sort of leaning towards storytelling yeah. now, isn't it? Do you do you feel your? Can you see yourself in the future being purely a storyteller, or will it always have a comedy element? And if it does, where does that need to get laughs come from? Um, oh God, I mean, it, it's just, I just like I like funny people. I like being funny. Uh, I like the effect it has on people. Um, I like people when they're laughing. I've always, I like, all my great, um, all my, un- not real, un- not, I haven't got any proper uncles, but I've got loads of great uncles. I remember when they were a kid, they were all just hilarious. And I used to love watching, I never, I didn't understand what they were talking about. But these are all on the tapes when I was mm. listening back to them. They were, they were just, Talking about like the price of sugar was such a recurring thing in 1979. Um, so I was far too young to know what was going on. But um, 
I remember these parties. I remember them being there, and I remember them showing me card tricks and stuff. And I used to just love when they used to make each other laugh. It was just incredible. So um, I just think it's a nice. And I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'm any good. Really. I don't. I think I can get a bit better. I think I can be better. But um, I. I've always, I've always been most impressed with myself when I've made. My only real way of impressing people usually is to make them laugh. Really, I haven't got anything, any other sort of serviceable skills I used to have, but they've all sort of got rusty. What do you mean? What, what sort of? Other well, I used to be really good at math. You see, so, so when I when I was when I had a proper job, it was sort of quite mathematically analytical. Okay. Um, what was it? What was the job? I was a radio. Uh, I was in radio engineering, uh, wireless okay. engineering. Okay. Um, and I couldn't do that anymore. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do next. I still, I mean, it's funny, like when I was a 25 year old stoner and I didn't know what I was going to be doing in six months, to be honest with you, I still don't. Uh, I have no idea what I want to be. You were saying the other day you're you're thirty nine. Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't think were they your words? Did you say pushing forty? Forty came up. We were talking uh, about both. Yeah, being well, late probably. 30s. Yeah, inevitably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you? Do you have a view of what you might be as a comic when you're mid forties, late forties? Do you have a sort of an idea of? Well, my favorite where it can go or Dave how Allen. Dave Allen's one of my, probably my favourite comedian, I think. And he was, you know... I mean, trends have changed, but I think comedy, I like to think so, and I really hope so, for all our sakes, is that it is immune to the uh, pollution of youth. <laughs> <laughs> Which has kind of trashed every other art form, right? Like, pop music's no good if you're over nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, you can't be too old to perform it, uh, it seems. Um, I've just had a horrible vision of all of us 30 exactly. years from now all sitting on stools trying to be Dave Allen yeah, yeah and yeah. now your panel show is being full of like yeah, here all, you know yeah. this is well no I mean I've just imagined panel shows being full of us old do you oh, know what I mean no, like no, elderly no. versus everything it just keeps going yeah. and you get panel shows which are like seven stools and it's seven no, Dave think, Allen type comments yeah no I think panel shows and that sort of that, that, that televised edited comedy controlled that will that will be won over by the attraction of youth and there will be you know, like mock the week will be just children that have been fed lines because they look so flawless and clothes look great on them and they'll be just fed by sort of fat balding men who are reading newspapers and being hilarious but just saying it through these children <laughs> uh, but real stand up in real clubs where you have to be real and live that I think is Unpenetratable from the toxic thrust of juvenile people, <laughs> or, or something like that. You know what I mean? So I don't mind getting old as a comedian. So I think there, there will be. I've still got the best show. It's not. I'm not done it yet. Thanks, Tom. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> 
So that was Tom. Thanks to him for coming along. Uh, we've got some more Kiwis coming up fresh from the New Zealand International Comedy Festival. Uh, next week, I'll be having a very exciting conversation with Michelle Acourt. I've just been logging that one today uh, about feminism, authenticity and the right of audiences to shout back that comes inescapably with the right of comics to free speech. I think that is going to be a very exciting episode as well. So do hurry back for that one. Uh, remember, you can get a free trial with Audible, the people that do downloadable audiobooks. And if you'd like to get hold of one of their free month-long trials, you can sign up for it via audible.co.uk slash cc for Comedians Comedian. That's audible.co.uk slash cc. And that will mean that you can also support this show at the same time. So many thanks if you're planning on doing that. Uh, you can donate to the show online, or if you'd like to support it for free, then please just share this podcast with a friend. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This show was co-produced by Nathan Wood, and I'll speak to you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 